You're listening to the Umfreak Parents Podcast, episode 073. You're seen to chat about life, family, and of course, Humphreys McGee. I'm Sarah Jahimiak, podcast host, writer, mom of three, wife, and total Umfreak. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the show. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode, which featured a recap of the Umfree show at Resonance Festival, as well as the side project shows that occurred at the festival as well. There is a link in the show notes where you can find that if you'd like to give it a listen. And this week, I am very pleased and extremely excited to bring you the first part of my conversation with Umphreys McGee bassist, Ryan Stasek. That's right, folks. Stasek was incredibly kind to give some of his limited free time to chat with me. We talk about a wide range of subjects from his upbringing, life with his girls and amazing wife, Mary, recently being in the studio with Umphreys, Doom Flamingo, Iceland, and so much more. So make sure that you tune in next week, which will feature part two of our conversation. Before we dive into that, I'd love to tell you about show sponsor, Swift Charge. Swift Charge provides unlimited portable charging at music festivals throughout the country. You simply pre-order a charger on their website before you go and when you get to your festival you pick it up suction cups right back right to the back of your phone and charges while you rage the show so easy so amazing and any point during the festival your charger runs out of juice you just take it back to the booth and exchange it for a new one so awesome and also the charger is yours to keep forever So when you get home from the festival, you recharge it, and now you have a portable charger that you can take anywhere with you. I use mine when I'm out running errands, when I'm out with my kids, when we're on road trips and I don't want my phone to die. I use mine at least once a day. Swift Charge will be providing portable charging. Yes, that includes for your vape pen too at a few festivals remaining this year, and they also have some very awesome plans to be in smaller clubs and venues during the winter months and will be at some of your favorite major music festivals in 2020, so be on the lookout for them. There is a link in the show notes where you can find their website to find out more, and especially for my listeners, if you use promo code Sarah, S-A-R-A, at checkout, you will receive 10% off. That is promo code Sarah, S-A-R-A, at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Also, I'd like to quickly mention, if you're looking to get the word out about your shirts, pins, jewelry, prints, your band that's going on tour, or small business that is looking to work with some like-minded folks, Umfreak Parents Podcast would love to help you get the word out. With ad time on the show, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, and more, 
Umfreak Parents podcast can help you reach and be seen by tons of fellow Umfreaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow Umf family. Email umfreakparentspodcast at gmail.com if you're interested in finding out more. Before we dive into part one of my conversation with Ryan Stasek, I wanted to bring founder and owner of Hip Collective, John McDonald, on the show to talk about the amazing contest he has going on with his company in partnership with Big Truck Hat Company and Half Moon Outfitters for three lucky folks to win a pair of VIP passes to Woodlands Festival happening November 8th through 9th at the Charleston Woodlands in Charleston, South Carolina. Thank you so much to John for taking the time to be on the show real quick. Look for him on a future full-length episode in 2020. All of the information you need for the contest can be found in the show notes. And here's John with a little bit more about his company and the details you need to enter. I'm here with John from Hip Collective. Thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here, sir. So quickly, um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, I am. Um, uh, I've got a, a beautiful wife, two young boys who are both in middle school, Irish twins, actually, um, and always a stable of puppies. Uh, at the house, we live uh, we live here at the beach, um, just outside Charleston, uh, on a place called uh, Folly Beach, um, which is a, a killer little uh, just beach town that seems like it was created 60 years ago or 70 years ago. It hasn't really changed much since. Uh, so yeah, we love it here. That's very cool. So tell everybody about your brand, Hip Collective, and how that all got started. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so so Hip Collective um, is uh, we're, we're a sales and marketing agency uh, based in the you know here in, in Charleston, and we represent a bunch of really cool um, outdoor uh, brands. We work with outdoor um, and action sports and bike um, sort of specialty retailers all throughout the region, um, and uh, it's really ever since college in the late 90s I've, I've worked in the in the outdoor industry and um, uh, uh, this is um, the second sales agency which I've started um, which is really cool previously we were out in the uh, in, in Colorado in the Rockies region but uh, but hip collective is really like when when this was sort of coming to fruition um, it was several years ago and it was actually about uh, the time when Gord Downey the, the lead singer from the tragically hip Mm -hmm. um, was diagnosed with cancer and they were starting their final tour. And I've been a huge fan of that band for, for decades and, uh, love Gord. And uh, anyway, so I wanted to incorporate the, the name hip as a sort of, um, you know, just to, just to, you know, show, show Gord some love. Mm -hmm. Um, and the collective part really is, you know, we do a lot of collaborations and, and it's a very collective type of, of business uh, model that we've, got going here so yeah it just seems uh it seems work and um i've heard some uh you know people seem to dig the name so yeah we like it that's very very cool i had no idea about that that is so so cool being uh yeah, thank you. close to canada i uh, i'm a hip fan myself so that's very uh, cool yeah. very cool <laughs> so um talk about how you started working with umphreys mcgee yeah so so uh really um 
um, I'll try and make this a, a pretty quick story, but my, <laughs> my wife and I, um, we met back in, in 04, one of our very first dates. We actually went to an Humphrey show at the 930 Club in Washington, D.C., and uh, we, we were both, like, we both loved Panic, and we had very similar music taste and, and, uh, at the time, and we went to this show, and, like, it just blew our socks off. And ever since that show, it's been Humphreys, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, we got married, um, and, um, and for, for five years after that, I had sales meetings in Lake Tahoe with the North Face, and I never got to spend a, an anniversary with my wife um, for, for five straight years after we got married. And on the fifth year, Humphreys was doing, I think it was the second ever Hangout Music Fest, and, and Humphreys and Panic were, were both playing on our actual anniversary on the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And we decided to go um, to the show months ahead of time. We, we, we planned for it. And so leading up to that, I was thinking, like, I just wanted to do something really special for my wife. And I racked my brain, like, forever and ever. Just one morning on my drive into the office when we were out in, in Colorado, it sort of hit me, like, just, you, like, you got to find somebody who you can contact, Humphreys McGee, and, and reach out. And, you know, tell them about, you know, the, your anniversary. It's been five years since you spent with your wife, Sarah, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I did. I, I went to the office. I spent a couple of hours. I, I found some names. Um, I, I wrote a, a, a letter, and um, it reached two people in the organization, um, uh, both whom uh, responded to me right away um, with just like, oh, my gosh, that's such a cool story. And, um and and like you know yeah we'll we'll totally give you a shout out and and by the way um you know like what songs would you like to hear and I'm like what <laughs> and so I had to keep this secret from my wife for like a month uh, beforehand mm-hmm. that this was that this was all happening um, so we get to the show and like the first song comes on and it was one of the songs I had down and then the second song and then the third song and I'm like finally I think it was I think it was halfway through Wappy which was the second song I just, I had to tell her. I'm like, I, I leaned over to her ear and I'm like, you know, they're playing this for you. And she's like, what? Yeah, she's like, yeah, haha. I'm like, no, no, really. She's like, they're playing this for you. And, uh, and she was like, what? So I, I pulled up the, uh, the emails and I sort of showed her, but she didn't know about the shout out at that point. Um, and then uh, right before Girlfriend is Better, um, which was the second to last tune they played that set, um, you know, uh, Joel um, wished us a happy fifth anniversary, and Sarah just freaked out and was like falling, crying, and all the people around us were like cheering, and it was just like the coolest thing ever. And so that's how we we sort of um, met the band and introduced to them in a more formal way, other than just being huge fans and loving them. Yeah. And, um, and and it really quickly turned into, um, well, why don't we do this thing together, and why don't we do this thing together, and we've just. Uh, been working together ever since on some really cool projects, including uh, the one that I think we'll probably be talking about next. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, hopefully that wasn't too long a detail, but it's a pretty cool story. So I wanted to make sure to share it. That is a very, very cool story. That's so awesome. So then talk about your partnership with Half Moon Outfitters and Woodlands Festival and that whole thing going on. Yes, for sure. So, um, yeah, this is really ultimately what um, what I'm so thankful to be on your show talking about today, Sarah. So, 
Um, yeah, just several months ago, Vince, uh, who manages Humphreys McGee, uh, reached out to me and told me about this new festival. This is before it was announced, and um, told me about the the fairgrounds, the the, the woodlands uh, where the, the you know the festival is going to be, and like it just sounded just really really amazing. And of course, like if Vince reaches out to me for anything, it's a yes, like we'll do it. Yeah. Um, but this one was was really cool, and so Vince and I had this. We've been we've been wanting to partner with Half Moon Outfitters, which is they're based here in Charleston. It's a really really cool um, specialty outdoor gear and apparel lifestyle uh, store. They've got you know stores down in Georgia and all through South Carolina. It's a really cool, um, really cool uh, specialty retailer, and the the owner's great. Either and the buyers are all phenomenal. And the marketing manager. Anyways, Vince and I have been wanting to to do something with these guys. Um, for a while, I already worked with them on a number of things, but Vince is just a fan of just the shops. And so we, uh, we came up with, um, a, uh, a plan on, um, with, with big truck, uh, big truck brand, which is one of the hat, uh, which is the hat brand that this collective, um, represents who, uh, Umphreys has been doing big truck brand, uh, Umphreys McGee hats for years and years now. Mm-hmm. And so, we're doing um, the official Woodlands uh, Music and Arts Festival hats, our, our big truck brand co-branded hats, mm-hmm. and um, we are going to um, tomorrow, actually, or, or uh, Wednesday, um, October 23rd, fixtures will be in the three Charleston area half moon stores okay. um, with a graphic on top that talks about this uh, contest that we're doing, but essentially anybody who goes into one of these half moon stores and purchases a Woodlands big truck app and then posts it onto social media with the hashtag HMO Woodlands okay. um, is going to get entered into a contest to win two VIP passes to the show and each of the three local stores has a pair of passes to give away. So we're really giving away, you know, three sets of, of VIP passes to some local folks in the area here. Um, so it, it's really cool. And, and so there's, there's the two hats that are the official woodland hats that will be at the festival that will be at the merch area and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But we're actually building two exclusive colors that will only be at half moon uh before the show um so those are really cool as well and then another just kind of a side piece to this is whenever we do these types of things we always try to involve a a a non-profit and um and so we're um we're working out the details there but um that's just another cool thing like somebody goes and buys one of these hats um a they're you know getting a cool hat and it's going to be a sick festival but um, also, a portion of the proceeds is going to go to um, a local uh, nonprofit uh, here in Charleston, which is really cool too. So, um, yeah, we're we're really excited. Um, this, uh, yeah, this is going to be the first time Big Truck is is going into the Half Moon stores, and and we're really excited to see uh, to see this uh, see how this works out. So, yeah. Very, very awesome. And I will include everything um, that everybody needs the hashtags, all the details, everything in the show notes. So they have everything. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to quickly touch on before we're all done? Gosh. 
Sarah, I think that's it for today. But I just, again, I just wanted to say thank you so much. It really is uh, an honor to be on your show. You're doing such cool um, work, and I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking the time. So here is part one of my conversation with Umphreys McGee bassist Ryan Stasek. Enjoy. Anyway, so I was talking to Carl Engelman the other day, and uh, yeah. he was talking about way back in the day, his band Juniper Tree had played mm-hmm. this show in Vermont at like somebody's backyard or something, he said, and you yep. played the bass for that show, yeah. and he wanted, he randomly was like, oh, I, I wonder if he remembers that, so I'm like, when I get him on the phone, I'm going to ask him and find out if he remembers that. <laughs> Of course, I remember that. It was it was a classic moment in my musical youth. Really? Why? Oh yeah, I'd love to talk about this. this okay. Was, um, yeah, back in in the late '90s, um, Notre Dame wasn't a huge music scene, so you kind of found your people um, who enjoyed uh, live music or or similar interests quite easily. And one of the local bands, Juniper Tree. Um, I can't remember everybody's name in their band. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I remember their, their, your young drummer was ripping really good, and I and I was playing with Brendan at the time, and Carl and I were friends, and and Brett Pageant was also in that band, and mm-hmm. and so we knew each other, and we knew how to jam. At least we liked to jam. I don't know if I knew how to jam. I just we just did it. I was very new to bass. I just uh, I had just probably purchased one, and started playing, and and they got a gig, and it was actually my buddy Mikey Herman who had land in Vermont and was paying them peanuts, you know, just basically like to come out and play on their property. And they asked me, and I was supposed to have all these rehearsals with Brendan. And I remember having him sit down with Brendan. I was like, Hey man, these guys asked me to go gig with them. It's a free trip to Vermont. Um, it should be fun. I mean, are you guys cool with that? And me skipping rehearsals or anything? They're like, yeah, dude, just go do it. Go do it. So I got in the car with Carl. He had his acoustic guitar and it was like a, 20 hour drive and he taught me all of the bass lines and all of the songs on the car ride there wow. which was hilarious because <laughs> yeah all, the, all these fight, the yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in the car ride so there wasn't a lot of sleep we get there <laughs> and it's just it's just a it's just a party in a field there's no pa we're just setting up you know i brought my my little crate combo bass amp and my bass and we started playing, we started playing. And I remember we were doing a Bob Marley song. And, and the funny part is we didn't have any monitors. So it was really, you know, it was super ghetto. And I couldn't, you couldn't really hear each other. And I couldn't remember if the song was in C or C sharp. I think I played the whole song in C sharp. They played it in C. Everybody's kind of giving each other these weird looks. The whole experience was super, super fun. Um, and then coming back, it was just it was just one of those you, you go for it, an adventure. They're like, mm-hmm. we'll pay for your, your gas and your ride and your trip, and we'll just make the most out of it. And um, and Carl was really big on the scene, um, not only as his as 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 you know his personality in general, but mm-hmm. you know one of the top musicians. Uh, he was playing bass in Alibaba's Bikini with uh, with Jake, mm-hmm. um, kind of the bridge to how I met Jake um, through Carl. And um, I think that, that I, um, I have another story about Juniper Tree. We all had fake IDs, and they were playing a place called Frank's. And while we were all there, the um, bar got raided. 
by the cops. Oh, oh shit. And um, I ran and, and hid in the in the in the kitchen with two other people, and we were we were we were sucking on pennies like that was gonna work. I don't know. There's some rumor that if you sucked on pennies, you would blow your breathalyzer wouldn't blow. So I uh, I, think I got caught. I think Mythbusters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a true one. So I got caught, and I ended up getting, like, a minor in consumption along with 65 other people that were underage at this. It was a restaurant. It wasn't even a bar. It was a restaurant we'd set up, and, and they were serving alcohol. And total, you know, 18-year-old college type thing. But that was Juniper Tree was playing. They were the band that was playing. Wow. I remember having to go to court. There were 65 uh, 18, 19-year-old kids <laughs> <laughs> all in court at the same time and he brought the judge brought us all up together at the same time I was like okay everybody gets a fine community service or something i don't even remember wow that's that's a great yeah. great story. both of those are great stories i'm so glad i asked you that question. i had forgotten about those actually yeah <laughs> that's great nice little walk down memory lane that's awesome yeah i want to ask you for anybody that's not listening that may not know who you are or any of your background or whatever, kind of just give us a brief sort of summary where you were born, your family, kind of a real quick background. Yeah, um, I'm a very simple man. I was born in Pittsburgh, lived there till I was 12. I bleed black and gold blood. I was the only uh, family that left to move to Kalamazoo, Michigan because of my dad's job in 1988, where I got into Guns N' Roses that changed my life. And I lived in Kalamazoo until I went to Notre Dame in 95 and met Humphreys McGee and Bayless and Joel Muro. And I uh, was fortunate enough to meet my human, Mary Welch, and make two beautiful baby girls. And I have lived in Charleston, South Carolina for the past seven years and just bought a house right off the beach that has been a, um, been a real joy. Of, uh, of renovation. <laughs> nice. It's a nice that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's it in a nutshell right there, yeah. Very nice. I like that. It was nice and quick. Um, so talk about the relationship you had with your parents growing up and how that's helped you in your own parenting style now. Um, my, par- my parents uh, are, are very, very rad individuals, but very different um, with like a yin and yang. Like my mom is the talk a lot comedian who every time she gets into a plane or, or any sort of social activity, she's telling jokes, she's talking, she's meeting every single person where my dad is super Zen. And, and it's not that he doesn't talk. He's just a lot more chill on the, uh, you know, and quiet, um, but very, very calm and doesn't have a temper. So I've tried to take uh, the best of both worlds and and be a a, a good parent um, with my kids. You know, have Zen, have a little bit of uh, patience because um, they're kids. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. to have patience with kids, but also just teach them the basics. You know, teach them to be honest, teach them to respect um, everyone, and to and to be uh, kind and compassionate. And you sh- and you know they they're uh, they're on a they're on a solid track right now. Yeah, they're, they're so adorable, and it is. It's it's just making sure they have that basic foundation of, of just being a good human. That's what I tell my kids all the time, you know, just just be a good human being. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, you know, I don't, absolutely. Don't, don't put that out in the world, please. Um, so let's talk about your work-life balance. What can you share has been the most helpful in making your life possible, you know, being able to tour and have the career that you do and then, you know, having a successful marriage? What has been helpful in making that possible? Um, you know, it, it's always different for every person. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to be with Mary Welch now. Um, we've been together for 10 plus years and, and we're very similar in, uh, in understanding the type of, that, that what our jobs are. I mean, I, I have to travel for a living and I don't, I don't know what else to compare it to. It's just the, mm-hmm. the facts are that I, that I have to leave for tour um, at certain times of the year longer than others. Um, but what she enjoys and what I enjoy is that when we do say goodbye, it's not a tearful, oh, no, don't leave. Uh, you know, now we're at a point where like, okay, you're going to, daddy's going to make people happy. Mommy's going to be here and work. And then when we come back together, we're, uh, we rediscover our joy and love. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super ready to get home and be a dad and help out with the family. And, you know, we have two kids now, so it's, it's not as easy when you have one, you know, but um, our six-year-old is very independent. So her getting up for school and, and being able to really do everything by herself helps us out a lot while we're working with Mickey, who's only a year and a half year old. But, um, you know, that she's cool with me leaving and, and doing that for a living and being an artist and creating. And I'm cool with her being an artist and creating and she's an interior designer. And we really have those art like uh, art type minds. And that uh, allows us to understand each other and, and uh, allow us to get along. Nice. So what are, what would you say are some of the, like the challenges and perks of being a, a dad that tours? I mean, the challenging part is, is, you know, leaving your family. That's awful. Especially when you, when, when your kid first says, daddy, please don't go. Or uh, what did Amelia said to me earlier this year? She's like, dad, I think you need to get a new job. <laughs> and, and I was like, really? Why is that? She's like, you just, I just, you're just leaving so much. And you know, you just, this year has been a little different than this last year because um, there's, there's been less routine for us as a, as a unit. We, we, we sold our old house. Uh, we moved into an apartment and then our apartment lease was up and we moved into our, my sister-in-law's house. We were all living in one room and one bed and there hasn't been any routine. And now we're in this house and we've had to move in and out of this house three or four times. So I know how that's not just difficult for me and Mary Welch, but on a six-year-old and, uh, and, and the younger youngster too, to have some sort of routine in your life to go. So those challenges of, of having to leave a lot more. Plus I started Doom Flamingo. Uh, we've rejuvenated Omega Moose. So I've had a lot more dates on the year where I'm not home. I'm actually gone on those weekends too. And those start to add up. Right when you become comfortable with Umphrey's schedule of, of being on for three weekends in a row and off for two weeks or gone for four days, home for three, gone for four, home for three, then a week off. Uh, once you start adding other bands and other festivals and other gigs, all of a sudden there was a run where I wasn't home for two months for a weekend at all. And, you know, that's that's something that my wife and I knew we were going to go in um head first into this whole project and, and you miss a lot of date nights. You miss a lot of weekends. You miss a lot of time where we're both so exhausted. You get home. We're like, well, I guess, you know, there isn't as much time to focus on us. We have to do this for the house. We have to do this for your new job. We have to do this for, for my new job. We have to do this for doom flamingo. So there's just, there's a lot of balls to juggle. Mm-hmm. 
and we're doing our best to get back. But I, I feel like, uh, I mean, I'll just be blunt. I feel like 2019 has been really, really hard. And we're ready for that rebirth in 2020 to kind of just breathe and relax and, and find the, uh, the simple joy of relaxing and, and less stress. And, and that will come, you know, once the, the house, you know, comes together and you guys are finally there and making it a home and, and it'll all come. But. Absolutely. Absolutely believe that, yeah. So how do you think that becoming a dad has changed the way that you create music? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, feel, I feel like I've, I heard you ask this question to... Uh, to Brendan maybe too, right? I've listen, not listen, had listen. the pleasure of interviewing him yet. I've, I've. Or Joel, Joel, Joel. Yeah. Joel. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Joel. Yeah, yeah. I listen. I listen to your your podcast. Um, oh, that's awesome. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and and thank you for everything you do for us, and it's uh, it's very much appreciated. Every every everything in Humphreys, we appreciate our super fans and and all our fans and and those that that uh, keep our dream alive to keep making music. But to answer your question. Um, I don't know how much has changed it, it, you, you know, once, once you have a child or, or children and just, a, and, and, and start a family and you have your unit that just becomes so much more your focus and control that you're not worried about yourself. And I'm not, I, part of me, I, I want to say I became way less selfish because my priorities became my wife and kids. So that also helped me prioritize my practicing and my, my work schedule and, and how I focused on, on, uh, being a bass player. So I think, I think when I had, uh, more on my plate to be a dad and a husband and then a bass player, I focused my time better. So I think my, my practice and my routine became much, much more solid once I had children. Yeah. Um, intentional about your time. Yeah. And more intentional about my health and my mm-hmm. drinking and, and everything. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie about it. I mean, my twenties, I went really hard yeah. and there were days where I would, I would drink till way early in the morning and I would sleep way into the afternoon and I wouldn't put the, the time and energy into taking care of my body and my mind. And that wasn't allowing me to focus on how I should have been practicing and, uh, and becoming a better uh, musician and bass player. And band member, yeah. you know, all of that stuff as you grow older, um, hopefully, I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not completely sober, you know, I've right. taken breaks, I've, I've uh, definitely lightened the load, I, I don't, I rarely, uh, I rarely drink that much when I'm, when I'm at home, um, compared to when I'm on the road, and I've even tried to uh, change my habits on the road as well. Yeah. I drink better tequila and just less of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it becomes. That's that's what it becomes. Yeah. You know, you you have a refined taste. You you want something better, and and you enjoy the the times that you do have it. You enjoy it in a different way. Yeah, and I've never I've never um, I smoked a lot of weed in college and, and right after there, but then weed just never became my my thing. I enjoyed a a, a, a fine tequila. Um, it reacts with my body better. I, I don't have hangovers. It's a stimulant. The, the, uh, the taste is fantastic and I'm not mixing it with sugars and mixers. Um, I'm not a huge red wine drinker. I mean, if Brendan and Kevin Browning have a, have a, a very nice expensive bottle, I'll sample a glass here and there, but, uh, I don't, I, I do enjoy beer. 
Um, I'm not crushing 36 beers a day like I'm tailgating for a Notre Dame game or anything anymore. But like we 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 does a different thing too. I can't get high the minute I wake up until I go to sleep. I'm not I'm not a pothead like that, and and it makes my mind different now. I get I get uh, self conscious and insecure, so I don't I don't smoke weed yeah. that yeah. much at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's not doing it for you, then and that that comes of course with maturity and and knowing you know what is what works for you and what you know what doesn't and maybe saying not so much to this anymore and that just shows maturity yeah yeah and in, in 2017 i took a whole year off of of alcohol um except for two events um a very special wedding and when this the, i was at the stanley cup when the penguins uh, wanted in nashville so i well, obviously that, had yeah, some beers yeah, there yeah, yeah of course but i i <laughs> I thought it was important to prove to myself and to prove to anybody else who thought I couldn't do it, uh, but mainly myself, that um, I could play improvisational music without a crutch, without the security of having to crush alcohol or have a buzz and still get goosebumps and feel like I was doing well and, and excited about it. You know, and being in, in the same band and playing with the same people for so long, it was very refreshing um, to be excited. Very weird in the first couple, the first month to not have a buzz or not have a, a drink and uh, getting through whole shows and, and just being more aware of, of tempo and time and vibe and people's uh, looks and what they say and just how you react, you know, it's such a difference. And, uh, you know, as, as I try and mature and get older, uh, being completely sober from alcohol is not a path that I want to make right now, but I definitely want to be, I want to rein, reel it in and be in control and know when to say when. And, and still, I, I enjoy, I enjoy it. So I have to be able to, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you're able to, uh, to keep a good grip on yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So has there been a moment and I've asked, you know, I'm a mom. So sometimes when I'm at festivals or something, you'll see somebody and you kind of like, I'll kind of go into mom mode in my head or something. Has there been a situation since you've been a dad where that's happened? Like maybe you saw somebody in the crowd and like in your mind, you kind of like went into protective dad mode or something. I mean, I, I go into protective dad mode a a lot. Uh, (laughs) I mean, but, but then there's other times where, it's not your say, like, I don't want to judge if that's, right. you know, if you're at a restaurant and you want to feed your one-year-old diet Coke, like, I can't tell you not to do it, that it's bad. Right. I, do I think you shouldn't? Yeah, you shouldn't, <laughs> you know, that's, but, but, um, uh, usually I, I'm, I'm a person who, who, who makes a lot of eye contact with everybody and checks everything out. And I'm usually trying to feed off of, of, uh, just good vibes and uh, positive energy. And, and it's great to see kids out there, with protective earwear on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my dad mode there. For as sure. long as they're being uh, safe and fun for the kids, there's nothing better than watching uh, the innocence and joy of the youth uh, get down to, to music. Oh, yeah. And my youngest loves it. He's been to 14 on three shows. He, he, he loves going. We actually, we went to like a local event and they had like a stage and, you know, a tent or whatever for speakers. Yeah. And he was mad that you guys were not there. Like, he's like, what do you mean Umphreys isn't here? He's like, why are we here? I'm like, well, we can go uh, do other things. Like, it's not the only thing we do, so. Yeah, you have to sample other food there, right? Yeah, for sure. It's going to be okay, buddy. Don't worry about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> what has been the biggest surprise to you about life since the birth of your girls? Um, I, I don't know if, I guess to, to, to know how happy that they could possibly make me, you know, when, when, uh, you think you got it all and everything's going great and, and there's simple things and, and then you, or you have things and you think things make you happy. And then once you have a child and to make them, to make them happy and then to, to feel the love that they know that they trust you and that you're their protector and that you uh, provide and do good for them. That I, I don't think I could have realized what that feeling was until it happened, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to see that. And then, and then to be so proud of, uh, I guess, you know, when I was, when I was by myself or, or when I was single or it was just me, you just, you really just worry about yourself, you know? And uh, it's so great to, to be proud of your children and, and their accomplishments or, or, or them having fun. And, and I, I don't know if that surprised me. I just, maybe it surprised me of how, how much it would be um, overwhelming to me and how, how happy it would make me. You know, I knew I'd, I knew I wanted to be a good father and, and a good husband stuff, but I didn't, you know, maybe I'm just so surprised of, of how awesome it really is. Yeah. I think for me, it was just like how much someone, how much like they love you. The, oh yeah. The love that they have for you, it's like they don't see the flaws that, you know, as you get to be an adult and you start to think about yourself or whatever, you know, like they don't see all that. They just they think you hung the moon and it's like it's awesome to have that level of love. I think. It's the best. Yeah. It's absolutely the best. Yeah. Absolutely. So I gotta ask because, you know, being a parent is not all rainbows. <laughs> What is your least favorite thing about being a parent? Um, again, the least favorite part is, is leaving. I, I really, you know, but it's my job. It's what I do. I love playing music. I love my band. I love being able to, to tour, but I hate having to leave my family. And, uh, you know, like there's a lot of cliche parts. There. Everybody's like, oh, you're going to blink and you're going to miss it. And just, there are parts where that's true. You know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll come home. Um, we went out west and I, I couldn't make it home in between one of the, the trips because it was just so far to get back. I think I was gone for two weeks. And, and when I saw Mickey, when I got back, I was like, what are you kidding me? This much happened just mm-hmm. in two weeks. Yeah, so that's that little too. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing, too, and we got to be honest about this. Social media is great for bragging or putting up the wonderful moments or for some people um, being therapy. Maybe you, maybe you guard having rough times and doing it, but, but as far as like, as a parent, um, I thought it'd be funny to do a week of, because people are always coming up and be like, Oh, your kids are great. They're cute. They're so fun. They're so nice. They're always, I'm like, listen, you know, shit happens. There's tantrums. <laughs> there's, there's whining, they hit each, there's fighting, there's, uh, you know, people lose their tempers. And it'd be funny to just post that for one week, just straight, to be like, listen, real life, real life happens here, you know, Some, she doesn't, she doesn't want to eat, you know, so there's the kitchen's closed. And now we're now we're hungry, and we're in a fight. And I, I wanted to wear these shoes to school. And do, you know, there's all these little things that happen, because that's, that's called life, you know, yeah. but it's so interesting, when you have um, and I'm not just talking about parents. I'm just talking about social media in general. People mm-hmm. post things that it's not necessarily a facade, but it's stuff that's usually awesome, yeah. you know, it's, or, it's or, or, or you know, yeah. yeah, which is, which is fine, which is fine. 
but it doesn't mean you're encompassing everything that that's really going on. You know, um, I have a real joy now that my daughter, uh, Punky, who's six has discovered skateboarding and, um, I'm going to get her some lessons cause dad just doesn't have it anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, I took, I take her to the skate park quite frequently cause she, she loves it. And she's taken some serious wipeouts like somewhere. I'm like, Ooh, you know, I'll go watch her, but you know, she gets back up and she tries it and she does it again. And, and I'm just stoked that she's, that she's found something that she's really excited about and really into. That's awesome. And it's awesome that you, you guys are encouraging her and, and what lights her up, you know, that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She's involved in a lot of things, but there's some that she enjoys more than others. And, and, uh, I wanted to try, try everything, but, but whatever, when, when she finally, uh, locks in on one, I'm, I'm happy to support it. Absolutely. So what is it like being the only guy in the house? That's interesting. <laughs> I told I told uh, I, my daughter really wants a puppy and my, oh my wife boy. too. And I said, I said, well, when the time comes to get a dog, um, it has to be a boy. Cause there's just, you know, there's only one penis in the house and we just, you know, we need, we need another boy. You're out, <laughs> no, no, it's great. I love, I love, I love my wife and my girls and it, it's super fun. Um, I haven't, it hasn't, you know, there's no dating or anything yet, so we're far away from from all of that fun stuff. So from the real I mean, I'm drama. just enjoying it. Yeah, they're they're actually they're actually really chill kids too. I mean, there's not. Uh, I've been around a lot of two and three year old boys, and and they can raise some hell. Mm-hmm. Um, my kid, my I'm not just saying it, but my kids are a little more on the chill side. Which I, is and, good. And there is that because my I have three kids, and my oldest is very chill. My other two are not. So I mean, it really does say a lot about just their personality to begin with yeah yeah mickey's only a year and a half so we'll see you know once once it's all about one turning two to three those are the years where you're like oh okay here comes the attitude oh there's your personality all right yeah (laughs) you're like this is gonna be fun (laughs) yeah that concludes part one of my conversation with ryan stasek be sure to tune in next week for part two of our chat ryan and i talk about doom flamingo Umphrey's recently being in the studio in Nashville, playing Nether Live, Woodlands Fest. He also shares a really killer tip for those heading to Iceland in March and where else in the world he would love to play music. Just really, really great stuff. So make sure you don't miss it. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Much obliged.